Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Coaches, today before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13 Point three inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the Coach Pad and Coach Pad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates. And here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Um, today we have the defensive coordinator, safeties and nickels coach uh, for Ohio Dominican University, uh, Coach Trent Voss. Uh, Coach, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to kind of sit down and, and talk with you a little bit. No problem, Coach. Uh, glad to have you on. Um, like like we were talking beforehand, I I, believe, I don't know if I caught any of it, but I know some of my staff caught you at our state clinic. Um, so, but before we kind of get into any of that, um, ha, really, how did you end up at ODU? Um, well, so I started my college career playing at University of Toledo. Uh, went there 2011 through 2015. I uh, had an awesome career uh, from a, from a um, standpoint of I got a ton out of it. You know, great education. Had a great time in school, um, and and it was it was really a blast. And uh, towards the end of my career, you know, everyone at, at at the college level is has aspirations to play in the NFL. So you you want to do all those things. Um, but, you know, obviously numbers will, will tell you to have your plan B and C. So mine was always uh, coaching. Didn't really matter what level. Uh, my father was my high school coach. So, you know, high school coaching and, and uh, you know, having a more relaxed lifestyle was always an option for me or college or, or wherever it really took me. So uh, right after that, I, I made a trip down to South Florida with my, my wife and my son. You know, we kind of graduated and said, first time where we're not tied down by something. So we moved down to the Naples area in Southwest Florida and um, had about $2,000 to our name, uh, went down and, and found a place. I started uh, working construction and coaching high school football on the side, just kind of staying in it, uh, eventually evolved into doing athletic training and coaching on the side. Uh, and that was really fun. I did that for about a year. And into that year, um, the head coach at Toledo called me, Jason Candle at the time, and, and he kind of asked, you know, are you in coaching and all that? And I just said, yeah, I'm just just doing the high school thing, just want to be around the game. And uh, he offered me an opportunity to be a graduate assistant. So that's, I started there, which was awesome. Uh, going back to your alma mater is obviously a really awesome experience. It, it's like no other. So I'm blessed to do it. And, and I owe that place a lot and those people a lot. Um, 
and it was a great experience. And I was there for about four years and it was awesome. But as you know, as a young coach, a lot of the positions are off the field, support staff type roles. And, and my heart was always coaching, uh, like I said, when I started. So um, towards about three years after being a GA, I just kind of um, opened up my, my eyes and my ears for any opportunity that was a true on the field coaching role. And, and my first one was at, at John Carroll University. Uh, so I got that gig um, in 2019, going into 20, I believe. So as we all know, that wasn't the best year for sports and, and uh, you know, with the social distancing and all that. So was that a very, was that John Carroll at a very unique time? Um, and when I was there, you know, it was as everyone was doing, just trying to adapt to the times, do what they can do. But, um, you know, we didn't play that fall. We ended up playing a spring uh, and that was good. And, and I was there for, for three, three games because the season was so short. And, um, and then we already went into uh, summer recruiting and, uh, was on the road and just, you know, you meet coaches on the road and you do things like that. And I just happened to bump into uh, the head coach at Ohio Dominican, Kelly Cummings at the time at a Toledo camp. Um, now, Kelly was working at Toledo when I played there. So he always kind of knew who I was. And, and Coach Cummings, you know, like understood, uh, you know, my character and my personality. And uh, we talked for a little bit there and he asked me to, to come visit ODU and just talk football with them, kind of some basic. And uh, to me, it seemed really casual. Um, but when I went out there and we talked, it was about, it was about a good day's worth of uh, a football talk. It was awesome. And afterwards, he kind of opened up to me about, hey, OK, well, I do have a, a defensive coordinator position opening. And, um, you know, if you're interested, this was kind of like the interview. It was, it was, you know, just talking ball with you. And um, it really happened that fast. And it was just like, OK, well, I love where I'm at. <laughs> I got to talk to the wife is always your go to when you're married. It's like, hey, let me go back, man. Let me go back. I got to holler at the wife and see what she says. But in my heart, I always wanted to coordinate. That was always the goal. Um, I think it's it, it was a special opportunity. So uh, even though it was my third move in three years, I, I was like, OK, I, I think this is something I want to do. And um, I want to find a place where I can settle down with the wife and the kid and have good schools and, and uh, be a coordinator. So um, I never thought that the opportunity was going to happen as fast as it did, but I'm grateful it did. And I jumped on it and I'm going into my second my second season here. Now, yeah, before we kind of get into some of that stuff at ODU, what did you take away from the GA quality control experience that you've taken with you? Obviously, you've had a very um, upward trajectory of, from there to being a DC at a pretty successful uh, college in the Columbus area. Um, but what do you kind of take away from that three to four years at Toledo that you were able to kind of bring with you from to John Carroll and then to ODU? Oh, man, uh, you know, the, the, the lessons you learn are endless. And I think rather than talking for, for days about the lessons, I think that was what I took away from it was that there are endless lessons and you can constantly learn from you know, the biggest names to the smallest names. And there's always something out there if you love the game that you can you can learn. Um, and as a GA, that was that was probably my biggest thing is that you always have to have that that learner's mentality. And then um, on top of that, you got to go find it. I think a lot of people kind of want to sit around and 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 they're open to that idea and they're they're great people and they have a great outlook on how to how to grow, but they kind of are waiting for an opportunity. Um, and, and I think you just kind of got to go get it and you have to, you have to do the work and you got to drive around and meet with coaches and, and you got to do it because you want to learn the game. If you do it because you're pushing some form of agenda, I think it, it starts to wear off on people and it's a little obvious. Like, um, it's like, no, I just have a, I have a serious interest in the game. I have a serious interest in being better. And, and as I've gone through this, I've learned 
that my God, the guy who says he does it the right way is wrong because, you know, there's a million ways to do it and you got to find out which way works for you. Um, and, and that was my biggest thing though, is you, there's so much information out there. There's so many resources. Uh, you got to put yourself out there though and go get it a little bit and not be afraid to ask people questions, not be afraid to, you know, call people, email people, uh, do certain things that you think are going to advance your knowledge of the game and help you be the coach that you're trying to be. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Now, I kind of want to hit on another thing because, I mean, obviously I mentioned your very upward trajectory, especially as a young defensive coordinator. I mean, you're, you're I mean, obviously you're extremely young. How, how have you been evaluated adapting year to year from your times at John Carroll now, or do you going in your, I mean, you've done, I think, was it two, two years now, going in your second year um, at ODU? How have you looked at adapting? I mean, obviously, you're, I mean, you're, there's a lot of things changing offensively, RPOs, and then some people, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of evolution to everything. How are you choosing to adapt and reach out to people and evaluate things? You know, I think, uh, you know, to start it off, it's, it's strange for the people at my age, the, the game changing. Um, it really isn't for me, you know, being so young, this is the game I know. Um, and, and, and it does vary from conference to conference and who you're playing and who you're seeing. And I understand all that. Um, but a lot of the new stuff, a lot of the new things you're seeing uh, to some people that may say, wow, that's so unorthodox. You know, to me, I'm like, well, yeah, why not? I'll do that. I'll do that too. You know what I mean? Like it works. Um, so I'd start with that. But then I think the second thing is you almost have to, uh, you almost have to play a game. Like um, you, you have to be able to identify offenses and trends and, and what's working and what has worked. And, and it is a little bit of a guessing game because you have to you have to anticipate that, OK, I, I see them trying to be able to do this, trying to be able to do that. And then the goal is always to stop it before it happens. Um, and on the outside, that can kind of look like maybe you're doing a little too much. And that's kind of something you got to be careful with, that you're not going out there chasing ghosts or doing anything that, uh, you know, is taken away from your main thing. Um, but you do have to be able to anticipate a little bit what you think an offense is capable of doing and, and what they want to do. And uh, if you think those match up and if you can say, hey, I think they're capable of doing what they want to do, we have to try and stop it before it starts. Uh, there are some instances where I, I've seen teams where I think they're trying to do something. And based off the matchup I have, I, I don't care. Like that's something I'll welcome. Uh, if that's a matchup you want to take, if you think it's it's there, I don't. Uh, I truly believe in people, people make the game and um, schematics are important because you have to put your people in the right position. But at the end of the day, it's still a person to person matchup. Um, so if I see something that I think could exploit us, I think it's my job to make sure that that I don't even see it on game day. Uh, and if I do, our guys were in the right position. And I think as you do different defenses and you show different disguises and different coverages, you, you talk offensive coordinators out of doing certain things and a good offensive coordinator will see it and he'll say, yeah, that's not there. Uh, it's not there. It's not going to be there. Um, and I guess that's just kind of your your long way of what what every coach would say of making making them one dimensional. You know, once they once they start making us guess, I'm in trouble. I don't want to guess. I want them to guess. Now, is that part of the reason why you've been speaking on like matching personnel and formations this spring? Is that kind of the approach you've taken? Because that's kind of what I hear as you as you talk right there is you're very personnel based and formation based on how you're going to adapt things and take away stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I do think that football changes everywhere you go, and it's half the reason I love the game. 
Uh, you you got to do it. It's, it's not, I don't have a Trump boss philosophy. I, I have a, where are we at philosophy? I meet my players where they're at. Um, my philosophy at John Carroll would be way different than ODU, which is way different than Toledo. Um, and, and as, as I've been at, at ODU, what I've come to realize with D2 recruiting and, and D2 football players, uh, the talent and some of the disparities that you can see from, from scholarship to non I've really adapted to, we have to be a 100% personnel driven team because it's going to help us recruit and it's going to help us, um, I guess, use guys more efficiently. I can't have a guy that can just play safety. I can't, you, you have to be able to come in on a package and play nickel or play will linebacker, or I can't have a corner that can't play safety. If we get an upset and I want to invert you, I mean, that's just the simplest example. Well, now you have to know some of the safety landmarks and techniques, but at the same time, there are, and possibly could be packages, you know, especially in your, your, your zero coverages and your man coverages where you have to be able to move around in the back end. Um, and, and obviously I think the four two five allows you to have multiplicity, but it, it's just like here, I'm not going to, at, at the D2 level, it's really tough to get 11 badass dudes on one side of the ball. And, and, and you don't want, I don't think you want to focus on guys being uh, one trick ponies. I, I, they really got to be multiple and um, half the reason I moved to the back end and I coach the safeties and the nickels and sometimes take the whole DB group because all five of those guys need to play those positions. Not not in our base, but man, we're gonna have packages where you don't want to be limited and you don't want to be stuck as no, I can only do this, coach. I can only do that. Um, and, and so I really focus on our best players and their talents. And, and you know, to flip it on the other side, I, it, it's not a it, it's not something that I think is just us. It's teams always have their bread and butter. And at this level, if you can take those guys away sometimes, and I'm not saying always, I'm just talking generally, sometimes there's a large disparity between their best wide receiver and their second best. And it's like, hey, man, I'll, I'll live and die another day if that cat beats me, but this, this guy ain't gonna. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna move my defense around and I'm gonna put guys around him uh, to stop him. It's really that, that simple. It, you know, it takes a lot of the thinking away. I'm going to put my really good players on your really good players. And I'm going to make sure that with our alignments and our calls, we were, we're protected and we're going to go from there. And the only way you're going to beat us is if you, your guy makes an, a, a remarkable play over and over and over and over. And then that's the only way I feel that teams would be able to take advantage of us. And then, like I said, if they find a new way to do it, it's up to me to adapt. But if I think we're in position and our guys just aren't making the plays, then then that's that's something that I got to look at more than schematics and and all this stuff. To me, it's like, OK, you know, it's not his technique. Sometimes it's not the call. Sometimes sometimes it's just like, look, man, that guy is he's better than him. And, and you want to surround him with guys that can match up fairly. Man, it's almost like your your basketball mentality. <laughs> you know, I'm going to put my guy in your guy. and We're going to stop him. I don't care if he's the small forward. He's going to play the two when he's on defense because he's going to stop you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, just kind of my philosophy. And again, like I said, uh, I, th I think if people have a hardcore philosophy, they need to make sure they're not pigeonholing themselves too, because everywhere you go, man, you're going to have a lot of different players that do a lot of different things. And you got to be, be able to make sure you know your players really, really well so you can move them in places to be successful. Now, obviously, this will kind of changes week to week on based off who you're seeing and who you have. But do you try to set it a minimum or maximum on how many personnel packages you take in each game? Um, obviously, you don't want to overdo it, but obviously, you don't want to be underprepared. Is there, I mean, obviously, it's going to vary game to game, but 
is there is there like a range that you try to stay in with to decide and say, hey, we need to make sure I have these just in case of this? Is, is there a baseline for you? Yeah, yeah, I would say absolutely. Um, the one thing though I make sure I implement is we have our camp packages, you know, meaning, hey, it doesn't matter who we're playing. We have our heavy, we have our nickel, and we have our dime. And, and those are kind of our camp packages, goal line defense, third down defense, base defense. There we go. That's that's our package. Um, and I think it, it, if you teach it that way, and those guys know those packages, I mean, your your menu and your call sheet is endless. So you don't, you don't lose any calls with those majority of the time. Um, so I'll keep it, you know, three to four. Hey guys, this is what we always have to be ready for. And, and then obviously with these, with these packages, guys, here are the calls, you know, don't look at the whole playbook here. If we're running heavy, here are the five calls we run. So, you know, you know, don't learn that whole playbook. Don't get overwhelmed. You know, these calls know it from the different perspective. And then I think as we go into the week, now it's more of, okay, here are two packages that simply adjust the matchup. It's not necessarily, hey, I'm subbing five guys in and five guys are coming out. I mean, sometimes it's, hey, this is a package that the nickel and the safety switch because I like the match. I like the matchup in the call, you know? So, it, it you know, we'll do things like that. Um, and, and it's pretty simple, but you, you do got to be careful. Uh, you do have to be careful. And one thing I, I don't do is... Um, I don't create new calls with new packages. So, you know, I'm not sure I've seen a lot of coaches that, that do that. And I love that. And I love what that allows you to do. Um, I tell my guys right away, Hey, if you're a defensive back, you better know it all because at any minute I could throw you in um, and it's not going to be foreign to you. If we run quarters uh, out of our base, I want, I want to put in a package and be able to run quarters and we're going to run cover three and cover one and two and whatever you want to run, we're going to do it. Um, we're not going to put in, Hey, here's the package. Here's these four calls, learn them this week. It's like, Hey, these blitzes out of this package this week, these blitzes out of this package this week. Um, and I think it creates a lot of the same as teaching. So you don't have to, you don't have to put something new on, on their, on their plate on a Monday or a Tuesday. It's, it's guys, Hey, the most you're going to hear is, Hey, you know, we're going to play the same calls. I, I'm looking at this package. Can we practice it? And, and you know how it is, you get your couple reps, you go from there and, and <laughs> by, uh, by Thursday, you either shake can it or you love it. And that's just how it works. Now, you also mentioned earlier that, I mean, obviously you moved it, you moved to the back end and taking over pretty much most of the back end, but also like kind of looking at your bio and, um, and then listening and then listening at some other stuff you've done. Um, you've pretty much coached every defensive position borderline at this point. Um, what have you take, what, what, how do you think that's helped you? Is there anything, way that's hindered you um, being, because obviously there, there's pros and cons to it. I mean, if you just coach one position in your whole career, you get probably get really good at it. I mean, Larry Johnson at Ohio State's coached D-line for 50 years now. He's really good at it. But at the same time, when, you, when you've coached multiple positions, you know a lot about your defense. You know a lot about what you expect. Is there kind of pros and cons to kind of what you've been able to experience in this short time? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's you know, similar to what we talked about earlier is there's just so much to learn, you know, you, you want to absorb it all. Um, I think, excuse me, I think definitely one thing that is huge is coaching multiple positions on this for the same program, you know, like, because now I really have a, you know, a full understanding of what every single player is capable. Um, you know, I moved and I worked with the linebackers a little bit last year, but, and, you know, and then a lot with the D-line. Um I know, I know the type of learners those kids are. I know the type of athletes they are. I know the type of uh, people they are. I know what motivates them. And, and you know what I'm getting. I know them inside out. 
And that to me is the most valuable thing to have as a coach is the knowledge of your players and, and how they learn and how they grow. And that's been my favorite thing is, you know, the guys we bring in, uh, coach, you know, I can tell them like, hey, he's not going to learn that way. You know, he, he's not. And, and I can say it confidently, not from a uh, outsider's in perspective. It's like, hey, we tried that. I tried that. It doesn't work. You know what I mean? He learns this way. He does this this well. Um, so that would, for my mind, that would be the biggest pro. Um, and then, you know, I think if you're not in the same program, it, it's good. I, I do think it helps, you know, to learn the game. But I, I think that you kind of want to narrow it down to a certain few positions once you start trying to elevate your career and do certain things. Um, you know, my heart was always with safeties and linebackers. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where it was. I coached the D-line at ODE my first year because I thought that's the group that needed the most attention. And I said, you know, I'm going to put my ego aside and, you know, I'm a skinny guy coaching D-line, but I'm going to do it because because uh, they need the most attention. So I'm going to give it to them, you know, and, and I think that's the most important thing. Um, it was frustrating at times trying to decide, you know, am I at one-on-ones today or am I at seven-on-seven, you know, and, and, and that comes with the territory. Hey, we got a big coverage game plan. Our corners are struggling. Safeties need help, whatever the, whatever the cause may be. Sometimes I'll slide over there. And, and you know, my graduate assistant worked with the D-line. He did a phenomenal job. So he could get them through one-on-ones and, and he knew what I taught. And, and that was important to me. Um, but yeah, I do think it helps just with your own team and doing those things. But uh, I think you just got to be careful, always kind of bouncing around because you want to have something you believe in and, and you want to get to know your players in the position. And, and there's endless learning, whether it's, you know, vision, technique, body movements, all that awesome stuff. Um, but yeah, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Um, I've loved working with all the other groups and man, I've learned so much. I think the D line was the biggest one because that was the defensive line was the only group I didn't uh, work with in some form of capacity uh, at Toledo. So, you know, when I got down there, it was awesome. But, man, I was learning some every day. I was, uh, you know, probably got three, four notebooks just filled with notes and stuff. And I'm like, my gosh, there's so much to this. I love it. So um, it's, it's been really cool. But I do think, yeah, you know, to your point, once you start, once you start elevating and you're, and you're really trying to you know, work at a high level and you're at some of those bigger programs coach and you're, you're trying to get guys to the NFL, you know, now it's like, Hey, you know, we have guys that are NFL, you know, talent that roll in here year in and year out. I think you really do have to be a master of your craft and you have to have a true understanding. Um, but, but I, I too, I think that's just how you look at it. You know, a head coach hiring could look at his good thing, look at his bad thing at all. It all depends on what, you know, what he sees out of it. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you, cause I was like, again, I was scrolling through your Twitter. And I saw hashtag black cloud. I'm just curious kind of what that I, I kind of guess, but I don't, I don't want to go in the wrong direction here. What, what, what is that? Why, why that? Like, what is hashtag black cloud? Well, I think it's a good slogan if, if um, it makes sense. So the real question is, what do you think it means? Well, I, I kind of, I, I assume it's it, because I also saw hashtag dark side. So I'm assuming it, it incorporates with that. Um, obviously, I'm assuming it is something to do with your secondary probably disguising coverages, but I also, that, that's kind of yeah. the, like, I have a rough idea. But... <laughs> no, that's good. That's a good guess. So um, it's not, it's not position specific. It, it's yeah. with the whole defense. So luckily our colors are black. So yeah. the dark side and the black cloud, it actually makes a little bit more sense, you know, for us, um, you know, it, it, it's all what everyone knows. Your loyalty to your teammates and to your program is where you're at uh, when, when the whistle's blown. So, you know, the way I visualize it is before, before we start camp, before we do all this, film about four or five clips. And they're really cool clips because, you know, it's, it's maybe from the wide side, so it's a high view. And they're clips of just all our guys surrounding the football. 
And uh, that's what it looks like. It just looks like a dark cloud, just like hovering and suffocating the football. And to me, I, we took then we ran with it. And I said, that's how our defense is. We're going to move like a black cloud. You know, uh, a storm cloud comes through and it goes over a tower. It doesn't go around that tower. It doesn't get out of the way. It suffocates and it consumes that tower as it goes over it. And, and it becomes a part of it. So, you know, when I pause the tape, man, there better be a black cloud, one single black cloud around that football. Uh, and if we're not getting that picture, then we have an issue. So um, just something we ran with, the kids love it, man. It, it's awesome. You know, they, they chant, you know, you know, black cloud, black cloud in practice all back and forth and, and uh, stuff like that, I believe. And, I, you know, you want to give your guys some juice and something to play with. And uh, that's something I, I definitely try and do. Um, more of a real life juice guy. I'm not a big slogan guy, but that's one that caught on to me. And I, I was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll rock with that. I can do it. Now, as a, as a DC, what does your typical week look like? Because I, 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 I'm always interested when I talk to, especially high-level defensive coordinators, kind of what their game prep week looks like. Everybody's obviously different. Everybody's got a different mythology of doing stuff. But I'm always, always interested to see how everybody does it because there's always bits and pieces you can take from it. How do you do your prep throughout the week to get to Saturday? Um, so it changed a, a few times this year simply because of scheduling. When we started the year, uh, our head coach, actually, we would we would full practice on Monday. Um, so we would do we would, you know, have them go. We would do a, a full practice on Monday uh, after obviously our recovery stuff. But um, it, it really depend on when that off day was. So when we would have a an early game Saturday or, you know, home game, we would get done early. Typically Sunday, I just try and get in as early as possible. Um, you know, it's almost a flaw of mine. Like I'll, I'll just watch the film over and over and I need a better system because I'll watch one player for the whole whole game and then I'll go back and watch one player for the whole game. And I'm like, my God, I've seen this six times. I, I got to do better. Um, it's not something I'm proud of, you know, coaches that pound their chest over being inefficient. Um, but it's, it, I'll, I'll go in there and I just have to watch it over and over because I'm big into body language and I'm big into, you know, human emotions. And, you know, I'm going to watch it one time to, you know, at about 7.30 in the morning uh, to just do stats and just to make sure I get guys production and make sure that they have everything. And coach, I do all this on my own. I do everything. I do pretty much everything on my own. Um, I don't, I don't ask too much of my GA until I, I you know, can have a lot more little more trust in them um so so i pretty much do it all on my own i'll do all the production i'll do all the grading i'll do all the markups and and then i'll i'll go back through again and the second time i'll, I'll just watch straight up um statistics as far as penalties you know maybe where i think the game turned those type of things you pick up on you know like okay where was the swing i want to watch this game almost from like a fan standpoint where i'm just watching it and i'm not looking at stats and tackles and all this stuff um, and then I'll watch it the third time. And then, you know, while I'm doing that, I select out players of the game, all that stuff. So my third time through is really penalties, momentum swings, player of the game, red zone efficiency, all that stuff. Um, and then really a third time I just go through and I make sure I watch my guys and I double check my grade sheet. And then I just look for effort after that. Okay. Well, now I've identified, you know, the stats I've identified where I thought the swings were. So it actually helps me target effort. Uh, you know, like to me, I, I think everything isn't black and white and you don't treat everything the same. Um, I'm going to be much more furious if say, I just realized there was a swing and your energy was, was poor at the swing. That's a bigger deal to me. Like, you know, those are the times when we need you and we got to have you. And, uh, you want to pull valuable clips 
uh, when it comes to character and personality, I think you, you got to be careful. Some coaches will throw up a bunch of clips and it's like, you know, you got to be careful calling out a kid. You got to make sure it's for the right reason and you're doing it the right way. I mean, I'm not by any means, you know, trying to preach soft mentality, but like, you got to be careful and make sure you're doing it the right way. And what I'll do is, you know, I'll put things in perspective to a young man that maybe he didn't see like, Hey, your effort was bad on this play. Yeah, coach, you know, they all hit you with, they all got excuses, maybe one play, whatnot, but Hey, two plays before this, uh, you know, there was a momentum swing and you didn't respond. And now it's uh, we didn't get off the field. You know, to me, that's, those are the things that cause those is your energy and your passion. So I'll watch it at about three times until about 12. And then, uh, you know, we'll meet with our guys at about 12, uh, two o'clock. And then we'll watch all the film and then we'll have a, a team meeting at about 435. And then we'll get out of there today. Um, Monday is a, is a, is a grinder for me. You know, typically Sunday I'll stay after if I think it's a crazy game plan, but Monday I'll get in at about, you know, I'll wake up at about four so I can get in about 430. Um, you know, still trying to stay healthy, still feel like I can play football sometimes, uh, but stay healthy, work out. And then um, I tell all my staff, Hey, you guys just watch, watch one game. I'll, I'll give them a game and then they'll watch it. Um, I'll say breeze through it. Don't study it. Just watch it. Just watch it. And then we'll come and we'll just talk about it. And we'll talk about the team who we think they have and, and all that stuff. Um, you know, by then obviously depth charts and all that and, and personnel breakdowns and all that stuff have been done. Um, Cause I, I get in early to do that. And then, you know, that's when we kind of just say, and then when we start breaking it down by uh, you know, whatever way we select to break it down by whether it's down and distance personnel formation. And we kind of go from there on Monday um, but Monday's a grind because I want those coaches in there to watch the game. I want to talk about it. And then we have to have our, our, uh, you know, first and 10 P and 10, uh, whatever situation is, we got to have that ready by, by four o'clock. We practice on Monday. Um, so Sunday and Monday are definitely a grind, definitely a grind. Um, typically by Sunday or Monday, I'll, I'll have almost all the, almost all the game planning done. And then, you know, Tuesday I'll double check it. Cause we'll do our red zone, third down stuff Tuesday. And then, you know, uh, Wednesday, we'll get more into, you know, whatever other situation, whether it be short yardage, uh, two minute, you know, all your special stuff, however coaches do it. Um, and then we take Thursday off. So Thursday is kind of a time for me to decompress, watch all the practice reps, kind of have that final decision of like what worked and what didn't. Um, what do we feel confident in? You know, all those things. It's a good film day. You'll watch a ton of film with the kids and do that stuff. And then Fridays, Fridays are run through. Um, we'll run them through on Friday and then Friday night, uh, you know, it's just me and the players. I let all the coaches go home and me and the players hang out in the, in the meeting room and we talk ball and we talk our opponent and we talk, you know, football and life, honestly, sometimes for like two, three hours. And then I go home. Um, but I like that to be just me because I, I let the players damn near run it and, and we all bullshit and, um, it's, it's good. So it's pretty typical, man. It's, it's nothing like too crazy. I think the only thing that is, is different is, um, you know, I know a lot of guys say Sunday's the best. They come and grade the, grade the work and then they kind of get out of there, you know, at a decent time, but Sunday and Monday for me are a grind. Cause we, we gotta have, we gotta have some stuff ready by four o'clock on Monday. Is there a reason you take Thursdays off just out of curiosity? Uh, I, I, I honestly, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I think that our head coach believes and I'm with them on the longevity of it and giving guys a day off before we kind of do a run through, um, limiting the practices a little bit, not beating the hell out of each other. You know, it's, it's honestly coach. It's the first time I've been at a place where we do that. 
Uh, I've always been a Monday off guy. So uh, definitely threw my, threw my planning off a little bit, having, having Thursday off and a Monday be a work day, but um, you know, to them, it's for the longevity of our guys and for them being able to have a couple days if they're super sore and um, you know, even, even certain weeks, and, and you know, this is a, D2 issues with you on certain weeks we'll, we'll change Monday or Thursday off based on scheduling. Yeah. And Hey, soccer's got the field Monday. So we can't, they, we can't, they got a game. So, okay. We have to practice Thursday this week. Um, you know, stuff like that. That drives you crazy as, as a coordinator, like who, who has the field? <laughs> like what? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it's interesting, but it definitely, I think we, we got a good, we got a good model. We got a good flow and we tend to get stuff done and, and we don't have to kill each other at our offices and, and we do a good job and our staff works efficiently. And I appreciate them for that. Good. No, that's good. I was just curious, like, cause I mean, obviously I, I, like I said, my get, my guess before I asked you the question was just going to be, I'm assuming it has to do with speed, agility, body recovery. I mean, that would be the, the common sense approach, but yeah. I, I mean, I, everybody's different. Like, Everybody's different on how they do things. Just, just always curious on why and how and all that stuff. Um, kind of as we start closing up here is, I, I was curious because I was thinking about this as you were kind of going and you were talking about personnel and matching. And um, has your, I mean, since you've played and since you've started as a quality control coach and JA to now, has your defensive philosophy changed, evolved, modified at all? I mean, it, it could be from fronts, could be from coverages how you approach things, how has like the mental part for you changed? Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say drastically, uh, you know, I'm so young, man, it changes every year. I think one of the things you have to be able to identify um, it, it is what your guys are capable of doing. You know, not every team can be the pin your ears back. I'm not giving you an inch type defense. Right? You can't as much as, you know, your ego tells you, and that's the type of guy I am. That's, that's exactly the type of guy I am. I, I want to be in your face. I want to be aggressive. I want to, you know, I, I want to run the show. But, you know, you got to be smart with that. And there's there's a time and a place, I think. And that's where it's changed is making sure we're doing things with a purpose, um, making sure our run fits are, are, you know, our run fits are, are suitable to who we have at linebacker and defensive line. Um, how much we involve our safeties, all that stuff for me is, is changed. And that's, that's kind of what I mean. And I hate to just, to just dance around it, but that's kind of what I mean with like, I, I don't know if I have a philosophy. I think my philosophy is, you know, your players and you, you go from there. Um, I mean, coach, I've changed. I've changed so many things over three years. I, you know, I've changed technique. I've changed scheme. I've changed how we fit things. Um, I've changed what we're looking at at times. Um, so, so I think it's a lot of it's predicated based off who you're playing and making sure you, you have the guys. And when I say change, I don't mean with my guys. I mean, from school to school. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I think you guys do this really well. So we're going to do it this way. Um, you guys struggle with that a little bit, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing is, it's just you got to know, know what works for you guys. You got to constantly evaluate your guys, constantly study your football players and be like, hey, this is this is what they do really well. Um, and, and speed, agility, quickness and strength are easy to see. But if you're not talking with your players on a daily basis and you're not trying to get in their mental, then you don't really know what they're confident doing. You, you, you think you see what they're doing and, and, but you got to be able to match up the two. Um, you know, there was a time as a coach where you got to tell a young man, like, no, like quiet, you can do this. I've seen you do it. Um, but then there's a time when, you know, he's telling you one thing and you're also seeing it on film. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I gotta be able to, 
to, to make this work for him. It's who we got. It's who we're going to use. We're going to make it work for him. We're, we're going to do some of that plans. But um, I think run fits has definitely been a big thing for me. You know, even playing, you're, you're so close-minded. You know, run fit is like, okay, the B gap's open. It's my gap. And, and you know, and then that's it. That's, that's the bottom line. And then as you get into coaching, you realize like, hey, listen, man, there's many ways to, to fit things. <laughs> you know, split safety fits, you know, single high fits, plug fits, lag fits, fall fits, split fits, like whatever coaches want to call them. Uh, leverage fits, you know, there, there's different ways to do things. But I just think one thing that's changed for me is I've, I've really, I've really made it, um, I've really made it a point to myself that don't, don't get stuck into one way of doing things and make sure that my players come first and my place come second, your typical offensive adage. I think it's the same on defense. It's the same on defense. Don't, you know, don't create the best scheme for the worst player. You ain't going to have the best of luck. So um, you know, you create the worst scheme for a best player, he might save your ass and you'll look like a genius. So, you know, <laughs> that's, that's just the way I look at it. Um, make me look smart guys. I've told them sometimes, but yeah, it's really my thing on philosophies. Now, the, the other thing you mentioned earlier is, is kind of learning how players, um, learn. How do you go about that? Especially when you get new guys. I mean, obviously when you spend a year or two with somebody, you you obviously know how they learn, how they adapt, how they best learn it. But when you bring in a new class, how do you approach to find out how they're going to learn best? Will it be video, on-field work, paper? Because, um, like, for example, our, I like I, I post our stuff, like, at three different areas for in, install on top of doing working on the field. Like, I, because I give them a video, I give them in the huddle, and then but a good portion of our kids prefer paper. They just – just because they've been shoved on so much technology the past two years, they'd rather just have paper. How do you, how do you go about figuring out your, especially your new kids, your transfers, your walk-ons, your new kids that you've signed, um, how they learn? Um, you, I, I think you really got to be observant. You, you have to observe the little things. You have to observe the head nods in meetings, the, the, you know, the responses in meetings, and then you got to take the time to talk to, talk to someone. You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer on, um, you know, player led team. And, it, and if you're struggling with something as a player, uh, maybe you make a mistake in practice. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to jump you and, and tell you what you did. Like uh, you need to come explain to me what you did and why you did it. And um, I think when you have the time to do that, you're, you know, as a coach in my mind, when you create the time to do that, um, you can really understand why a player made a mistake. And I think sometimes coaches just want to hammer it away until the mistake is fixed which all, all good. Yeah. I mean, the results the same, but I found sometimes that takes a little longer and it's, it's trial by error. Trial by error is okay. But if you're trying and erroring 10, 15 times, it's like, Hey man, like you slowly roll. How are you approaching this play, this call, this person, how you, you got to change something. Um, and my biggest thing is just take the time to talk with your players and have an understanding of when they did something good and when they did something bad, if you're only talking to them when they fuck mess something up, excuse me, when they're only talking to someone when they mess something up, it's like, okay, well, now you've learned what they can't do. Well, what can they do? And, and, you know, what is going to make them propel to the next level? Well, if you have a conversation with someone every time they do something great as well, then you see and you start to understand what made that player comfortable, what made him see what he see, what made him want to trigger and go make that play. Cool. I put him in more of those situations. You know what I mean? And, um, it's just an understanding of these kids and these young guys and, and understanding like, okay, I, I have to, when I talk to them, observe, I have to be intentional 
Uh, I can't just blabber and, and, and run at the mouth and really not even care. I'm like speaking just to speak. Like, no, I'm trying to have a conversation with you. Um, you know, look me in my eyes and talk to me. I mean, I'm so big into that. I, you know, I take the, I don't even wear sunglasses. I, I don't wear them. I, I can't wear sunglasses. I don't. Cause when I'm talking to you, you look at me in my eyes. And, and if I have sunglasses on, how can you look me in my eyes? So, um, I really want them to understand that I'm there for them and I'm going to be real hard on them, but we're, we're going to get to the bottom of why you made a mistake. And then we're going to figure out why you made a play or what you did. That was so, that was, that was uh, so successful or so well played out. And we're going to figure out why um, the, why is a big thing for me. And, and you got to make the time, you know, time is not there. The time to coach is not there. It never has been. And it never will be, you know, as coaches, we make that time, <laughs> we, we create it. So um I do look at it from a psychological standpoint, just as much as a physical standpoint, you, you got to be able to know when to trust a young player and, and trust his, his heart and his head. Um, and then you got to know when to tell him he's wrong and say, listen, man, like, you know, you're capable of this motivate that kid to be able to do something better. Um, but it's just, that's, that's the game. And that's why some coaches do it, do it well. And, and maybe some struggle with it. And that would be my reason why maybe they do it. Maybe you're just not sure exactly who you're coaching and, um, you're, you're coaching the guy you see on video, but you don't know what's going on inside that young man's head. So how are you going to get to him? No, perfect, Coach. So, um, coaches, if you want to get a hold of Coach, uh, I'll put his Twitter in the bio. Um, I appreciate Coach coming on. Um, I think that was a good discussion on personnel, philosophy, uh, just a lot of different things, how, how he breaks down his week. Uh, make sure you check out our sponsors. Make sure you uh, like, share, subscribe, all that lovely jazz. And then that was another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast.